welcome to this episode of Conversations with Sports Fans. This is a bonus episode, and I'm your host, Doug Hill, and today we'll be joined by John Pacladinas. John was raised in Washington Township, Michigan, graduated from Central Michigan University, and is a science teacher and union leader in Farwell area schools in Farwell, Michigan. John's general fanaticism for all things Central Michigan University athletics aside, today we'll be focusing on the fact that John and his family have served as volunteers at the Little League Baseball World Series in South Williamsport, Pennsylvania since 2007. John, welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. Thanks, Doug. It's great to, ha- great to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation with you. Uh, so am I. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to dive right into it. How did you and your family first start volunteering at the Little League World Series? So, Doug, this is a pretty pretty good story. Um, it 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 goes back to 2004. Um, a buddy of mine from my local uh, district here in uh, Mid Michigan for Little League uh, was selected to umpire in the Little League World Series. So, Jim was selected in 2004 to go to the liberal series. So we drove out to support him, um, watch him umpire for the first weekend. Uh, we could only afford the first weekend and uh, we watched him umpire and we just fell in love with the facility. Uh, we fell in love with the people. The volunteers there were excellent. My son, uh, as you know, Doug, uh, but the audience doesn't know is uh, has spina bifida and he's born in a wheelchair. Uh, excuse me, he's born with spina bifida and um, is in a wheelchair. And uh, that my wife would have loved to have that, have be born in the wheelchair. That would have been a hard birth. But anyways, um, so like I said, he he is in a wheelchair and they just took, they took care of us while we were out there. So while we're watching our friend umpire, my wife and I are, are just amazed at, at the, at the uh, hospitality of Little League in general, and the, uh, and the other volunteers, specifically the ushers, the ushers made sure that we had good seats. Um, they just took care of us. And there's a mascot for Dugout, uh, excuse me, there's a mascot for, for Little League called Dugout. And my son fell in love with Dugout. At the time, he was four years old. Um, so he just fell in love with Dugout. Dugout liked him. Every time they would come by, he would reach out to Dugout, and it just was a bond that grew there. Um, fast forward to 2007, we had gone and now made this our annual vacation. So 2005, 2006, we had gone out there and just to, 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 just to go to Little League, and we weren't following an umpire or a team or anything like that um, specifically. and. We decided when we were there in 2006, why don't we go, why don't we go and uh, volunteer? So my wife and I signed up to uh, Usher. Um, and when we signed up to Usher, we, we knew how to do that because we just talked to the other ushers and they said, yeah, we're always looking for help. And Angela, you'll do a great job. And John will take you just because, you know, we're getting Angela and two, one out of two is hall of fame numbers. So, they took, they took us, and um, then we went out there in 2007, and we volunteered there as an usher. J.D. was, uh, uh, must have been, let's see if he was four. He must have been six or seven or eight at the time. 
So he would go to the games with us. One of us would work. Um, one of us would work as an usher. The other would just watch the games. And then the next day we would um, flip flop. And then we'd sit there with my son and he'd watch baseball. And he, of course, was just loved the game. And uh, that's how it started. And then I'd say probably four years ago, he started ushering as well. Um, you know, so, uh, they've got a nice spot for him. So he, he, uh, he holds the chain that separates the section sections that, uh, most people can't go into. So they accommodated him that way. And, uh, we go, we've gone, I get, like I said, we've been volunteering since 2007 There were a few years that my son had some medical issues and we weren't able to, uh, to go, um, uh, this year, my wife is not going to be able to go because school is starting earlier. And as a kindergarten teacher, she doesn't feel like her classroom is going to be ready. And she needs to have um, she needs to have, you know, name tags on desks and she won't even know the kids names if she goes. Uh, so being a kindergarten teacher, it's a different beast. So she needs to make sure that she does her job first. So this sure. year she won't be going, but we'll be going. We'll be going on uh, Sunday, the 15th. Or, excuse me, Monday the 15th and um, games start on Wednesday the 17th and we'll work all the way through Sunday and we'll come back the following Monday. So we'll only be out there this year for the first five games, five days. Four, yeah. yeah, about four or five days. So, so <clears throat> I, I guess I have a just a raft of questions here. I don't even sure. know where to go, but um, how has it changed? I mean, you know, on and off for 15 years, um, even longer than that, if you date back to the first time that you went out there, how has it changed both in terms of the facilities and everything else, and as well as the event? It, it seems like it is, you know, everywhere now. Um, you, you can't, um, you know, turn on your television these days if you have any sort of a cable service or a streaming service without seeing Little League Baseball for essentially an entire month. Um, how has that changed? And, and how, has it changed for the better in your estimation or... You know, just give us your thoughts. Well, there's four letters that makes the big difference here, Doug. ESPN. ESPN's contract um, has expanded since we first started. When we first started going out there in 2004, um, ESPN would only show the Little League World Series games themselves. So once everybody got to Williamsport, then they would start showing that there wasn't streaming back in 2004. Yeah. So you would see, you would see what on the, on the ESPN networks, whatever games you could see live were what you would see. And they would, they would broadcast at that time, probably 80, 75 to 80% of the games. It's my estimate. I, uh, I'm not, I'm not up to speed on exactly what their broadcast schedule was back in 04. Um, I'm a little old to remember that, but uh since then, what ESPN realized is that their ratings, when those kids were on TV, shot through the roof. There is, and I've got to know some of the producers from ESPN because just being there all the time, they tell me that Little League Baseball is their number one, one of their number one, um, number one, you know, shows, uh, if you will. So then they started broadcasting the regional finals. So then, then that would break, that would, that would give even more exposure to Little League Baseball. Then through streaming, they've been able to 
stream all of the the Little League World Series games, softball and baseball. Yeah. And it's just it's just gone through the roof on TV. Now, how has that affected us in, in Williamsport? I say that like I, I live there or something or I'm part of it, but um, attendance has grown at that event phenomenally. I mean, just, I, 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 I would say, I, 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 to give, I was just talking to this with some of the umpires from the tournament that we were a part of here in Midland. And when you could, when you would, you would go there in 2005, 2006, 2007, you could walk into the stadiums and you could get a seat um, pretty easily by showing up within a half an hour before the game. Since then, and since the explosion of ESPN on t- and, and the exposure on ESPN, there are people that are waiting in line to get into the stadiums an hour before the game time. Um, Williams Lomity Stadium is an older stadium. It's kind of like for our for the audience out there, the uh, the, the Fenway Park type, the um, Wrigley Field, the old Tiger Stadium, where there were there were, um, obstructed view seating. So as long as you were in the front row, you were okay. If you sat back toward the back of the stadium, there was a lot of uh, uh, there's some obstructed view. So everybody wants to sure. sit you know, where they can see volunteer stadium, the second stadium that they built. And that was built before I got in and got involved with going to the world series is a little bit more modern. There are still obstructed views, but it's not nearly as, as bad as the old style. So people are starting to come into these state, these games um, way, way, way early just to get the, their seats. And um, they're leaving games that are going on in one stadium, maybe in the fourth or fifth inning to get over to the other stadium because this, this, the, the schedules are staggered so that, um, well, for ESPN purposes, number one and number two, so that the volunteers, it reduces the traffic. You don't need as many volunteers and things like that. So I would say, I, 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 I can't believe how, how, how the, um, uh, the, the 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 audience the in-person audience has grown it's got to be 50 to 60 percent growth since i was starting in 2004 yeah and it, i i should know this i i would assume i'm, a, I'm i consider myself a sports fan but is uh, do you pay for a ticket is it free admission what's the story there no no yeah. no there is uh there's no fee at all um there's no parking fee. There's no fee to enter into the game. It's first comes, first serve. Now, behind home plate, there is a section called Section 1, which is uh, for Little League volunteers, district administrators, um, sponsors, uh, Little League people. Uh, they'll use that section for VIPs. Mm-hmm. Those, seats, those seats are free, but you have to have a special pass for them. Okay. Um, but every every other seat is first come first serve. Um, Lomedy stadium is the big stadium. That's the stadium you see on Sunday of championship game where there's 35,000 people in the stands and on the Hill, yeah. that's the big sliding Hill Lomedy that it, when that thing's full, it's a rocking volunteer is, is a little smaller and it doesn't have the Hill. 
Um, so, uh, the, the, um, you gotta, you just gotta know how to get in and around and there's little tricks and tricks of the trade. And, and when you've gone for the first time and you've gone multiple times, you start to learn these little tricks about, okay, this is when I need to leave this game. We need to be here early for this game. Okay. This game is, this game is a, um, international game. Uh, there won't be as many people watching the international, so we don't have to necessarily be there as early, but, um, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing sight to see. Um, sure. Out that sure. Way, so. Um, well, you, you referenced the Hill and I think I have to ask, um, have you, uh, gotten onto a, a cardboard box, broken it down oh. and slid down yourself? Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> okay. No. Um, no, the, you know, even when I was out there, let's see, in 2005, 2004, I was still in my, I was still in my, I would be, I would, let's see, I would have been probably in my late thirties. Yeah. I'm not really good at math, um, but uh science teacher, right? I should know a little bit better, but anyhow. Uh, no, I hope you're not teaching old, physics. You're not teaching physics, are you? <laughs> no. Okay, good. No, this old body can't, it, this old body and going down a hill is uh the last time i went down a sledding hill actually was for uh those that are listening in the in in the rochester area it was probably baldwin elementary that old that old hill that i thought was at least five thousand stories high which when yeah. i got older i went back there and i looked that isn't even that tall anymore what the heck but anyways i haven't slid down a hill since sixth grade at baldwin okay okay um now, i know that you um reference the uh, the makeup of the tournament and and the stands and the vip section is there places that are designated and kind of reserved for the parents of the of the players do they do they have i, I hope that you know we're not turning mom away at the gate because there's no room in the end and she's able to get in right oh yes absolutely okay so each each team is given uh vip passes okay and um each kid and each member of the team is given two passes um, so, uh, I'm 44, there are 44 seats that are reserved for, uh, family members or anybody that wants that, 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 that the family, the teams want to give the, the, yeah. um, the tickets out to. So most of the time it's family and friends. Now for us as an usher, we're, our job as an usher there is to help people find seats, make sure that people are, are, are moving up and down the aisle safely making sure people don't sit where they're not supposed to. Um, and that is a challenge for us is the fact that mom and dad will come. They might have three or four kids. They might, grandma and grandpa might come for the first time ever because this is more than likely the first time that the family is, the, the team's ever been there. So it, provo- it does prove, it does prove a little bit challenging because they have, a certain block of seats and everybody is everybody's grandmother and, and grandfather and brother and sister is just as important as everybody else's. And um, so you hear all the stories about why they should be able to sit over here or over there. And it does make it a little bit difficult, but yeah, there is a section that each team gets. Now, if you watched last year, Doug, it was very interesting. Last year we were out there and they, they allowed, each team, 250 tickets. Um, 
but that was it. So each team had 250 tickets and there were a limited amount of, of um, VIPs that were there as well. And that was because of the pandemic, of course. Um, two years ago, we didn't have the Little League World Series. They canceled. Last year, Little League thought that we could, uh, we would host, um, we would host it and we would have limited, the parents would be there to each team. I would have 250. So Wamity Stadium holds about 7,500 people. And there were probably at most at ever, ever 750 to a thousand people there. It was yeah. the weirdest site. Um, and it actually proved a lot more challenging to, to take care of and keep people following rules because now kids were running all over the place and, and they were banging on the, on the, on chairs that weren't, um, that normally were occupied, but they would bang on the seats and, and, and try to make noise and they would run up and down and, it actually was more difficult, in my opinion, to keep keep the order when there was only a thousand people compared to when the, the stadium had seventy five hundred people and there were twenty five to thirty thousand out on the hill. Well, that's why you brought a kindergarten teacher with you, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, now last year it was just um, U.S. only, was it not? Yep. Am I, or am I misremembering that? Is that was U.S. Oh, only? You're correct? absolutely yep. right. Yep. You're absolutely right. And again, that was the same rationale as the pandemic. They weren't able to, they, Little League was pretty confident. They weren't going to be able to get all the teams yeah. uh, into the country. Um, so they decided to make that just uh, United States teams. And they actually, what they did is they still had 16 teams. And what they did was they took the regional winner and the regional runner up. So the United States is not broken into this anymore because they've, they've expanded this year, but it used to be eight regions that would go for the American, for the, you know, the United States teams. And then there were eight international regions. Yeah. So, so to keep it at 16 teams, they just took the runners up and the runner and the winners. And um, that is why Michigan will always be known because they won last year. Michigan will always be known as, as the world series champion that never had to defeat a world team because yeah. they only, they only had to only had to face uh, all the United States teams. So. Sure. Um, you referenced expansion. Um, I know that they've added regions in, in the U S this year. Have they added regions globally as well? Yes, correct. They have. And, I, and off the top of my head, I don't remember what they did and how they split that up. I'm sure, I'm sure part of it, is uh on the international side it's down in the caribbean okay. i believe they i believe they've broken up the caribbean caribbean islands and and that it might even have something to do with possibly a cuba team coming in i i, I should have boned up on that before before well, coming on to talk to you um that's okay and then in the united states they they broke it up um yeah. and they actually made the great the great lakes region uh where the which is uh where Michigan's at, they took one, one of the teams away from Michigan and it actually shrunk. Um, and they moved some people else around. And, and so now yeah. there's two extra regions that were created for the United States and two extra regions across the international. So now there's 20 teams coming to Williamsport and they're adding one day's worth of gains. I was going to say, so, how does that now impact this, the schedule? Um, yep. So now, now they invited four teams, four more teams. Um, so they needed more time. 
And so they're going to, instead of starting on a Thursday, like they normally do, they're going to start on a Wednesday. And then there would be essentially like play, I don't want to call them play in games because they're there. So it's not really a play in game, but it's got a first round game, but you're going to have some teams that have buys essentially. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Correct. Um, we have, it's a modified double elimination bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, the modified is, is, is what people get really angry about, but it's because what happens at the end is because ESPN contract, right. Does not allow you just to have another game. Yeah. So they, they don't have the time frame because it, it, it falls on a Sunday night and they run off on, on ABC. So there's only one game. So in, in essence, what you could have happen is a, a team that it will have lost only once and be eliminated. Yeah. Uh, so that's the modified bracket, what we're talking about. But so what they'll do is they'll, each team is guaranteed three games. They tell you that we'll guarantee you three games. So what they'll do is they'll, 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 they'll um, create a friendly game between usually what they'll do then is an international team. So if you're Owen two, if you're one of the teams that one of the teams that gets boosted, gets booted out of the tournament right after two losses, um, they'll if you're w- willing to stick around, they will they will put you uh, against one of the international teams and you'll play on a you'll play on a uh, uh, on the other field. And sure. um, it's usually not televised, but it, it gets you three games. Um, the interesting thing about that, Doug, is a lot of these kids are coming into Williamsport at about the time that school is either about ready to start or it's the following week. Yeah. And a lot of them, unfortunately, literally would allow them to stay as long as they wanted. As long as the tournament was going on, they could stay. So um, before school started shifting toward either year round or balanced calendars, as the uh, powers that be want to call them, um, or after Labor Day starts, like we used to in Michigan, Teams could teams could stick around, and they 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 were free to stick around at Little League for as long as they wanted. Um, and that what would end up happening is, is they would pick up friendly games with all kinds of teams. A lot of the the world teams, the international teams, will stick around even after they lose because um, their travel is is set up, and it's a lot harder to get them out of the country. Yeah. So they might stick around for two three more days after they've lost. So. Um, that's always, that's always something that most people don't know about the world series. Yeah. What, um, what are some of the, of the highlights of your time attending some of the things that really kind of stand out in your, in your memory, whether it be team individual performances or, you know, just, um, you know, the exposure to, to perhaps some of the, uh, you know, baseball from other parts of the world, you know, you know, what, what, what is really, um, you know, fascinated you over your your time there well the relationships that we have um developed with the ushers and again and i i mentioned i previously mentioned earlier on that that uh my son fell in love with the mascot dugout um dugout was um uh the the dugout was um uh, I'm, i'm not sure how i should say this dugout obviously it's not real. It's a, it's a, it's a mascot. So the people that were inside dugout um, were the ones that really fell in love with my son. And after, 
after going out there in 2005, 2004, we stayed in a hotel. 2005 and 2006, we camped out there. Um, and we were, we were talking with the family that uh, one, of the, one of the characters, one of the um, persons that portrayed Dugout, and out of the out of, out of the blue, she said, "Well, next year instead of guys you guys camping, you should just stay with us at our house." Um, and that's what we've done since then. We will go out there and and we will stay at their house. Um, they are great friends of ours. Uh, so the relationships that we we built are the number one thing about that. And then there's another story. It's a pretty it's a pretty great story. Um, in 2004 and 2005, Dugout got my son to run the bases against him in a little contest out on the field. And my wife had to push him. Well, in 2004, the team that was there, um, that was on the field, was a team out of Iowa. And they remembered my son running the, little, running the bases. We went down to the regional in 2005. And that team from Davenport, Iowa, made it out to um, made it out to Williamsport, made it out to Central Region again, and we were down there to volunteer and watch. And lo and behold, they recognized JD, and a friendship started. And they said, "We we already had planned on going out to um, to Williamsport." And they said, "Well, if we win here at Central Region, will you come follow us at Williamsport?" We said, "Well, sure." We don't need to tell you that we're already going. Well, they won. And when we got out there, um, Little League or ESPN got wind of this. And ESPN did a story on the relationship between the Iowa boys and my son. And they recreated the JD running the bases against dugout um, in the Iowa game that they were playing. and. So we have on we have on videotape to the young listeners out there that is um, way way before TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube, and uh, Blu-ray DVD. Let's let's be kind, Mr. Paclodinas. Yes, yes. So we we actually have a tape of that, and that during during the game they referenced JD, and they did an interview with us, and and. um, you know, getting on TV was wonderful, but since that time, that team from Iowa, and specifically probably two players, Spencer and uh, Brody, Brody mostly, uh, we've continued with this with this uh, relationship with them. They come to the golf outing that we host uh, here. They make a point to get out there. We've gone out there to visit them. Um, they they race uh, drag bikes. <clears throat> we went down to Ohio and uh, watch them drag bike race. So literally to me is all about relationships. Mm -hmm. And I've been involved in little league for 30 plus years in various capacities as a coach when I was in college at uh, central. um, And then as an umpire in that same league. uh, And then when I moved to Farwell, I got involved in Farwell was became uh, umpired in Farwell and then became the president in Farwell. So volunteering in the little league is something that I've done almost my entire, well, 30 out of my 53 years. Wow. Well, um, hats off to you. 
for that, John. That's um, that's you know a labor of love. You can tell just by by listening to you talk it about it. And um, I, I can't even you know imagine how many different um, memories and relationships you forged along the way. And and that's uh, fantastic. And really, um, you know, to have players, right? Did the, your, when you mentioned Spencer and Brody, you're talking about players from the Iowa team, not yep. the coaches, right? So you're right. talking about 12, 13 year old boys who, you know, 12, 14 years later, you're still, you know, in contact with. And of course they would be slightly older, older than JD, right? At this point. So oh, yeah, they, always, always going to be older than JD because sure. they were older to begin with. Yeah. JD would have been Math, not my six. strong suit either. I'm an English. Yeah. Teacher. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Well, we know we went to college, Doug. So, um, <laughs> sorry, folks. That's uh, a dig at uh, that's just a, a rival university. Never mind. We'll, we'll edit that out. I'm sure, right, Doug? No, no, so, no. It's uh, staying in Eastern Michigan forever, <laughs> baby. Go ahead. So, um, JD was five and six at the time. So yeah. those kids were 12, 12 years old. Uh, Brody would Brody was on that team that I talked about that was out there the first time. Him and his dad were were part of that. Um, and then Spencer came when Brody was Brody and Spencer were 12. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, those kids, those kids have stayed in contact with us. They're not kids anymore. They've got their own, they've got their own kids. Um, last summer, this past, not this summer, but the past summer previous, we went out to Spencer's wedding. Um, we've been to Brody's wedding. JD was actually asked to be a, be an usher in uh, Brody's wedding. Um, so well, he know he knows how to usher, so that worked out well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's just it's 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 a phenomenal, it's just an absolutely phenomenal um um story. Uh it's a it's a wonderful time of our lives. And you know, Doug, honestly, volunteerism is something that is just dying. It's a dying art. And people, people for whatever reason expect other people to step up and do it. And um, you know, if there's anybody, anybody that wants to get involved with volunteering, I challenge you to do so because, um, you will get out of it. If you, if you volunteer with the right organization, you volunteer in an area that you're passionate with and passionate of, you will get more out of it, um, than, than, than even, even the participants that are, that are, that are doing it. I mean, the, 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 um, effect that it's had on us is just so much greater than just going to a ballpark and assisting somebody and finding their seat or making sure that they leave the, leave the facility in a safe manner or all the other stuff that we do. Um, and I challenge, I challenge people to get back to volunteering. Um, you know, our society has tried to do that. Our schools, Doug, as you know, have tried to do that. Most of us high schools these days have, um, forced volunteerism, right? To graduate, you had to have so many hours, and it, it is a noble, it's a it's 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 a noble thought. I mean, it's a noble thought that they're trying to do, right? They're trying to instill volunteering, but when you're forced to do something, it doesn't ring home. It doesn't ring true, like it does when you actually give up your own time because it's something that you want to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so a couple of other things that I had top of mind um, and, you know, is, is, you know, we watch this on TV. It looks, you know, polished. It's a telecast. It's produced. It's, you know, yep. broadcast and everything else, but there certainly there must be things when the, when the cameras go off 
um, you know, what, what is that experience like um, when you're there? Um, I don't say after hours, but, but when the, when the bright lights aren't on anything that you can share from, from that perspective as someone who maybe is there as the last, you know, spectator leaves or sure. what have you. I know that the, what the, the players are there in, in dormitory style housing or what have you. So they're on yep. site most of the time, if not all the time, um, yep. you know, what's, what's that like after hours, I guess. Sure. So can I, they, the, the players are hosed, they're host, excuse me. The player are housed in what they call the Grove. It's called the Grove mm-hmm. and it is dormitory style um, housing. And um, the players do stay there. A majority of the time now if there's off days and things like that sometimes um they will be bused to watch the uh williamsport crosscutters which is the uh, minor league team or they'll go um i know that it, sometimes they've been bused to uh to Knobles, which is a um which is an amusement park uh within like an hour of the area so um but the interesting thing for us as ushers is we start two hours before everybody else starts. So if the game time that you're watching is at uh, 11 a.m., we would have been there for a morning meeting that starts at around 9. Yeah. Uh, and then we're to post, so to speak, uh, about 10 because people are starting to come in um, to get their seats. And uh, so we want to be there. It's a lot easier to tell somebody that they can't sit in a section then remove them when they're already there. So, so they get us there about an hour early. And then um, after the game, the lights go out. When I say the lights go out, the cameras go off. Yeah. Carl Ravitch, Carl Ravitch and, uh, and Kyle Peterson sign off or who's ever doing the game that night. The kids get out on the field. They do a few post-game interviews. And they get these kids into, a, um, into um, 15 passenger travel vans. And they just from underneath the stadium and they just drive them up to the grill. The parents can't, don't normally see them after the games. Um, that's one thing that people don't see is that they, they have very limited interaction with their parents. Oh. Uh, if there is an off day, they can leave the Grove and they can come down um, and they can visit with their parents there. But pregame and postgame, there's very little conversations with their parents and uh, parents have a hard time with that. It's, uh, it's, it, it can be frustrating for some of them. Um, I've heard many, many parents say, I haven't, I haven't had a long conversation with my kid in two weeks. And, and that's true because what ends up happening is when they win their central, when they win their region, literally gets them on a plane, either that next night, day, or sometimes even that night and flies them to Williamsport because uh, they've got ESPN interviews that they got to do. They got to do pictures. They got to do player orientation. So um one thing that people don't see is, is the stress that is on the families. And going back to what it's like when, at the end of the night, um, everybody's left. The noise of the stadium is gone, but it's usually 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. And this park is literally built into a mountain. Yeah. Um, it's not Colorado mountain size, it's Pennsylvania mountain, but it is a mountain. And when you're walking down the hill and you look back up the hill, cause you walk down to the parking lot where we park volunteer stadium is on one level. Um, you walk up a slight hill and volunteer is on the second level. 
And then the outfield is, is more of that hill. And then in the background, you'll see Little League International Headquarters. And then beyond that is a road. And then even beyond that is more of the mountain. So as you walk down, you look back and the lights are on of that stadium. And sometimes the fog is coming in. Yeah. And it's just one of the most picturesque scenes for, you know, if you think about the uh, scene in, um, in Field of Dreams, when they mm-hmm. come walking out of the out of the cornfield, everybody thinks that's just a great scene. But you, I get that almost every night when I'm leaving. It's just a picturesque stadium of this of this beautiful facility with the lights on, and um, and then we go home and well, we go to where we stay, and then the next morning it's nine o'clock all over in the morning. Again. We're at this. Yeah. Yep, all over again. Well, um, you need to do me a favor, and and actually our listeners and the folks, you know whoever um, is reading my website on occasion, I would love a photo of your, okay. your, your parking lot. Look back up the hill. I've, I've, my, my father and I visited there once um, on a spring break trip. We took when we visited um, all the halls of fame, we visited Canton, okay. Cooperstown, um, Springfield, and then Toronto for the hockey hall. And on the way we made a point of going to, to South Williamsport because we wanted mm-hmm. to see it. And it was, mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish I, I, I will get there before I before I pass. I will get there to see the series at some point. I, I want to see it, but it was just so cool to go there. And we even went to where the I think the original field was or the original yep. park, which is like a little tiny diamond in the middle of nowhere type of deal. Right. But it was um, fascinating to see. And and um, yeah, I want to I want to be a part of it, experience it either as a volunteer or as a fan or or what have you. My children are of course too old to participate anymore. Although sure. I think my son, my son Jake could dominate at this point if he was out there playing right now. Um, well, grandkids, Doug, grandkids. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, speaking of players who have dominated, because you had told me in advance that your first time volunteering was 2007, I took it upon myself and I discovered that a, a gentleman named Cody Bellinger was on the um, yep. Chandler, Arizona team that year. Yep. Anybody else of note that you've seen come through there? Yes. Who? Um, Are you telling um, stories? Are you naming names? Uh, well, Bichette's son, oh, yeah. Dante Bichette Jr., yeah. uh, he's come through there. Um, uh, let's see, Bichette, um, well, I was there when Monet Davis was there. Well, and so, she was, um, I mean, she set the she, world ablaze that year. Yep. Yeah. She was a pitcher from, um, Philadelphia, the, uh, Pennsylvania team. And that anytime a Pennsylvania team is there, it is a, it is a, uh, just add another 10,000 people to the stadium because especially if they're in 2015, I believive it was Keystone little league was only an hour away and that they shifted all of the night, all of the Keystone games till to the evening game, the last game of the night um, so that they could get more people to come in because, you know, work was over with and, and people would get on. So it was just crazy that time. I mean, you, you take a look, take a look up, look up some uh, of the pictures uh, when Keystone Little League was there, the aerial shots, and you'll be amazed on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night, how there were 30,000 people watching a Little League game. Um, yeah. Dante Bichette um, was there. Um, who else have I seen going through? Um I think for uh, I think I think 
I'm not. I, I Jonathan Jonathan Scope Scope is from Curacao Curacao oh, yeah. team, and they and I think he was he would have been at the World Series one of yes. the years that, that we would have been there. Okay. I don't think though that we were actually there that year. I think that was one of the years that my my son was either in in for surgery or um. Like I said, there were a couple of years yeah. that, that we weren't able to get there because of family issues. But sure, uh, I'm sure there's names that I'm missing, Doug. But yeah, that's uh, okay. Bichette, um, but you know, we're there when we're there. The entire so, let me step back. I'd say probably eight or nine years ago, ten years ago, um, when most of the schools were not starting until after Labor Day, we were there for the entire series, um, and then they would have. They would have special um, special um, awards given out. So um, ran into um, ran into Brandon Inge. Brandon Inge, the former Tiger, was honored out there. Justin Verlander's parents were honored out there uh, when he was a Tiger. Um, so we've seen a lot of Joe Biden, our current president. I've got a yeah. picture of Joe Biden. Joe Biden was um, vice president at the time. And he was, he was walking through the front row and JD was um, uh, sitting in the front row. Right. And um, he could, he would reach over and he'd, he'd, he'd do his politician stuff and he'd, he'd talk to you the whole way. Um, but then when he got down, when he got the JD, he was just this little guy in a wheelchair and he got down Doug on one knee and he got eye to eye level with him. He didn't get eye to eye level with the, with the adults, but yeah. he understood at that time what it meant to be at eye, eye level with, with JD and say, we, we'll keep politics out of this, but uh, that told me everything I really needed to know about who truly Joe Biden was because um, he just knew to get down to eye level with him. And that was just one excellent moment. Uh, one that I won't forget. We got pictures of it and it's in a scrapbook and um, didn't know that, 20, yeah. you know, didn't know that 11 years later, he would be, he would be the president. But um, so some um, pretty cool moments. Sure. And has it been the last few seasons now that we've had a, a major league game in conjunction yep. with the, the series now um, that's available to just the players, I think, is that correct? Well, yes. Or, or how does that work? Um, so about uh, three years ago, they called the MLB Classic, and they started that. And uh, what they would do is bring the team in, one team in during the daytime. Um, usually a team would come in about 11 o'clock, and that team would stay for about an hour, hour and a half. And then when one team would leave, the other MLB team would come in, mm-hmm. and they'd stay for about an hour and a half. And then they then then they'd leave the, the the little league facility and they'd go over to um, historic um, what are they Bowman Bowman Field, Bowman Field yeah. mm-hmm. yep and um, then there's a major league game played yeah. in this minor league stadium uh, and little league our, our MLB had to bring the stadium up to code a little bit to to be able to televise games and do everything they need to do. So they dumped, they dumped some money in the public field. And uh, usually um, all the, 
all the, 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 the players are allowed to go to the game. Some certain dignitary, dignitary, dignitaries, um, VIPs, uh, Little League um, president and, and, the, and yeah. the CEOs and those kinds of things. And then very small amount of, of general population tickets. Gotcha. Last year, last year, all of the ushers were given an opportunity to go um, as, as part of this. My wife and I, unfortunately, and JD had to leave that Sunday evening because mm-hmm. Monday we were reporting for school. Yeah. And even though I didn't have to work Monday, my wife, the kindergarten teacher, had to do kindergarten roundup and get those final names on that, those yeah. name tags for those desks. So we didn't get an opportunity to, um, to see that. This year, um, this year, JD and I are actually going to go to the MLB Classic, and it's Baltimore versus Boston this year. Yep. So we are actually going to stay Sunday and watch that game, um, and, uh, and then we're going to leave. We're going to get on the road and do a couple hours Sunday until I get too tired and then crash and then get up and get to school for – my um, work day that I have to yeah. go to. So I'm, I'm sure you'll be there for that work day. No, oh, I will be. I yet. will be because uh, you know I'm a professional. You are. I'll be there. I'll be there. How much work I'm getting done? That remains to be seen. Um, well, John, I um, cannot thank you enough for the time. Uh, this is fantastic. I, I look forward now to to watching. Um, the, the series in the next uh, week or so, seeing it unfold and understanding a little bit more about how it works and how many people uh, have to help it out. How many volunteers would you say, give or take, uh, does it take to, to pull that off? Oh, well, uh, let me let me just try to ballpark it. We have... I see what you did there, ballpark. That's a nice pun. I like uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah. That's what the kids say these days. Uh, 50, probably 50 to 60 ushers. Um, not there necessarily every day. Some, some of them, a lot of the ushers are in their sixties and seventies. Um, so they'll, they might only work half a day, but we probably have a, a, a crew of about 70, 75 total. And then um, there's probably 30 to 40 that are on site at all times. Then you have event staff, you've got parking lot staff, um, you've got security, you've got, I don't know if the I don't know if the concessions workers are. I know they are volunteers. I think what they do is in the concessions they offer it up to local local groups to come in and run a concession mm-hmm. stand and uh, make a little bit of money to take back home with you uh, to your organization. So, boy, I tell you, I want to say probably on site volunteering on a daily basis, you probably have two hundred and fifty. 300 volunteers that's a, oh, that, that's yeah. a guess i would have no idea i can get that information from for you after i go out there because there's some questions i can ask but uh, you know this topic of the little league world series is i mean we just we just scratched the surface i mean there's so much there's so much that we haven't talked about that mm-hmm. that um that people and that's good because if people get inspired by listening to you to go out there, um, they they need to, they need to, you know, there needs to be some surprises. But I, I it, it's it, that 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 whole complex and that whole day and that whole event is is something that I could talk 
talk to you or anybody else who's interested for hours. I mean, there's so many questions that you can ask. And, you know, if I was a smart person, which I'm, I'm not necessarily been known to be called that, um, I would put out a book, the inside guide to the Little League World Series, but uh, that would require me to, uh, to actually think. Um, and who knows if I want to do that anymore. Not wow. at this age. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm happy to hear that there's more to say and more to talk yeah. about because that means that we can, you know, have you back on again sure. and, and continue the conversation at yeah. a later time. But, Absolutely. but this was, I, I mean, if this just scratched the surface, I, I look forward to seeing what we can do if we take a, a slightly deeper dive. So um, yeah. safe travels to you and, and, and JD on your way out and back. Um, I hope that the, uh, the Orioles keep on doing what they've been doing lately and, and make a run this year. It'd be kind of fun for the city of Baltimore, I believe. And um, yeah, thanks again, John. You bet, Doug. It's been a pleasure to uh, chat about this with you. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to coming on again and uh, possibly talking some more about it. That'd be great. Have a good one. We'll see you. Okay, thanks, Doug. Conversations with Sports Fans is a production of The Sports Fan Project. Our theme music is, fittingly, entitled Wooden Championships by Lobo Loco. Please visit our website at thesportsfanproject.com for more information and to contact us. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with other sports fans you know and invite them to give it a listen. 